This episode is brought to you by DRB Facility Services. DRB provides a full range of facility services for both corporate and government clients. To learn more, please visit drbfacilityservices.com. That's drbfacilityservices.com. Hi, I'm Juliet Mayers. Welcome to Entering the Inspiration Zone with Juliet Mayers, a podcast for business professionals and entrepreneurs seeking positive connection and professional development. As an accomplished author, speaker, DEI strategist, and member of Forbes Coaches Council, I am living the dream and I love helping others achieve their dreams. Each episode, I will share with you actionable steps that you can take to build the work and life you've imagined. Welcome. I am so excited to have with me today, Paula Price. Paula continues to be a visiting executive at Harvard Business School, and prior to that, was a senior lecturer at Harvard Business School. I'm so excited to welcome her to the podcast today. And today, we're going to be talking about building inclusive boards, strategies from an experienced leader. And that, indeed, Paula Price is. Welcome, Paula. Thank you so much, Juliet. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Wonderful to have you. And so we're going to start where we always start with our guests, and that is really to help people understand a little bit about your background. Who is Paula Price? So tell us about yourself. Sure, absolutely. Well, personally, I was born and raised in Chicago. I'm the youngest of five children. I grew up in one of the first neighborhoods that was built from the ground up for Black first-time homeowners, although it wasn't described that way uh, at the time, of course, on the far south side. It was a community of young families. And through the wonders of social media, many of us are back in contact with each other today. I did my undergraduate work at DePaul, at Go Blue Demons, and also earned an MBA at University of Chicago. And my husband and I left Chicago in 1995, and we moved to London, and then to New York with our son, who is now in his 20s, and then to Boston, where I met you. And now we're back in New York, except for the summers when we're on Martha's Vineyard. And then professionally, one of the things that I loved about my career journey is the variety and the opportunity to both learn a great deal and to tie all of my experiences together so that I could contribute and also add value beyond my technical financial skills. So I have worked across industries, so retail, consumer products, and financial services. I've lived across geographies, the U.S. and the U.K., and I have global experiences from that. I've worked across functions, strategy, planning, general management, but mostly finance and accounting. I've served on boards, as you've mentioned, and I've chaired different committees. And I've also had the honor of sharing my experiences with young people through teaching and also the privilege of learning so much from them. And each of these experiences has been additive and allowed me to adapt 
across different business models. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And I happen to know that in addition to all that you do, you are very active and supportive of so many people, myself included, and I really appreciate that. You're a fantastic role model for so many people. And so Paula, you have been on and are on many boards and are really trailblazing in the work that you've done. And tell us a little bit about how you got to the point of working with companies to adopt and to identify and overcome barriers relative to diversity at the board level. Julia, you know, all of the boards that I'm on are diverse in terms of gender, ethnicity, race, skill sets. And if the companies are global, then we have diverse countries represented on the board. But this didn't just happen, right? Each board was very intentional about getting diverse perspectives around the table. We wanted the gift of having unique points of view rather than a bunch of groupthink, which can stifle discussion and creativity. So in terms of strategies, we tended to source candidates from search firms as well as the board itself. But importantly, no matter what the source, the criteria was the same. First, the candidate had to have the particular skill set or expertise that we needed at that particular juncture, be it CFO or CEO experience. Didn't have to be a CFO or someone with appropriate financial expertise, someone with technology or customer expertise, and so forth. Plus, and that's a big plus, the candidate had to bring the kind of diversity that we believe we were lacking on our board. And we were relentless about all of these criteria. And we also had an effective succession planning process at each board so that you know we could take our time to find the right candidate. Building a diverse board not only allowed us to bring our best selves into the room, but it also allowed us to do our part in creating an atmosphere and a culture where management could do the same. That is fantastic. I mean, and clearly the intentionality of it is something that comes out when you, when I hear you talking about that. And I think a lot of other organizations and leaders can learn from. So switching gears a little bit, because you mentioned the fact that you are a mentor to so many and a sponsor. And so how do you view the role of the mentor and sponsor in promoting diverse leadership talent within the organizations? Well, Julia, you and I both know that mentorship and sponsorship are both crucial to promoting diverse talent. Mentors who help you navigate or develop necessary skills, as well as sponsors who put their reputation, their capital on the line to help you move into positions or get into critical assignments or projects. Both are so important for anyone, but they tend to be more difficult to come by for diverse talent. Most people are more inclined to build relationships with people that are like themselves. So to break this bias, leaders must be very intentional. There's that word again about making sure diverse employees are matched up with mentors and have access to senior leaders and networks so that they can develop the kinds of relationships 
that can help them get ahead. We often lack access. So to break this bias, leaders must be very intentional about making sure diverse employees are matched up with mentors and have access. Access is so important to senior leaders and networks so that they can develop the kinds of relationships that can help them get ahead. Often companies go through great pains to recruit diverse talent, but they lack the systems to retain them. Mentors and sponsors can help break down barriers and promote equity in the workplace. Yeah, you know, that is such an important point. And yet, there's so many organizations to this day are still not following that advice of, you know, really understanding the importance of being intentional about the mentoring piece, being intentional about actively sponsoring people. And in some cases in this environment that we're in, people are almost fearful having conversations, being there for people and in a way that is clear, right? Because if people are not aware that you're sponsoring them enough, sometimes they're not, right? And so I think this whole idea of the relationship and really helping leaders to connect meaningfully with talented people in their organization. Can you delve into that a little bit? How have you gone about it? And what your advice be for people who may see somebody talented, but are almost fearful of approaching or not intentional about helping that person develop? Sure. You know, by the time you get onto a board, you are senior enough. There's no excuse to use your voice, to use your capital, to support people who you know are well qualified for roles, whether it's executive roles or board roles. You know that they're well qualified and everyone should know that they're well qualified, but they may not have someone in the room to speak up on their behalf. So, you know, it's important for people who are in those rooms to know who you are, Mm -hmm. to know what you bring to the table so that they can speak up on your behalf. Mm -hmm. In the board role, we actually want to be supportive. We want to have candidates that we can talk about, that we can, you know, bring into the circle and help them with their careers. But we have to know who you are. And so building great relationships is so important. If I think about like what are the most important things it takes to move up the ranks or to be successful, it is being very strategic about building great relationships. Amen, amen to that. You know, as you know, Paula, a lot of what I talk about in my books is the importance of building those relationships and being intentional about developing relationships and networks. And that takes time. And as you mentioned, intentionality. And so very, very important. So in terms of key metrics that organizations, and this is yet another hot button with the recent SCOTUS decision in particular, where organizations, many are afraid of measuring or thinking, okay, even though the decision was about college admissions and it was applicable in that instance to specific schools, including Harvard and North Carolina, many people are now looking at corporate DEI programs and corporate initiatives, including, you know, how they're sponsoring and promoting and helping people of different backgrounds and thinking, oh my God, I don't want to get in trouble or should I be measuring what I'm doing for different groups and so forth. And so what do you think are some of the key metrics that organizations 
should use to measure their progress, particularly in achieving boardroom diversity? Well, it's interesting. We always sort of knew that we had this opportunity in 2020 to really lean in on DEI and to, because everyone wanted to talk about it and everyone was sort of seeing these images over and over in a loop on television. So everyone really wanted to talk about it. So we knew those of us that have been in this diversity, equity, and inclusion discussion and battle for so long, we knew that we had to put in place systems during that time that allowed us to look at measurements every single quarter. And I won't say that they weren't in place in some places because they were, but in places where they weren't, we set up goals and we made it a routine process to look at our progress towards those goals. They're goals. They're not Mm -hmm. quotas, right? right? They're goals. And to have a conversation about where we stood. I have yet to meet the CEO who wants to see their numbers if they're not good, if they're not excellent, stay stagnant. They always want to see them improve. And so we continue to routinely review our progress against the diversity goals that we send for ourselves. What percentage of our board are women? How many ethnic and races are represented? Do we have age diversity? And we also talk about qualitative goals as well. Are our discussions inclusive? Do we consistently invite everyone into the discussions? Mm -hmm. Are our committees and our committee chairs diverse enough and so forth? We have to hold ourselves accountable for the goals that we set. We have to do that and we have to set a culture for the organization for doing the same thing. Fantastic. I think that's something that every single leader should listen to and really think deeply about. Because as you may know, I'm, I'm sure you're, you're aware that uh, some are taking this moment as, oh my gosh, there's pressure, so let's back off. Versus, yeah, there's pressure, but our values are consistent and we're committed to diversity and inclusion and we will proceed and we will continue to measure and hold ourselves accountable. So, so thank you for that. Yes, we must not go back. Right. So how can corporate cultures influence the willingness to embrace diversity in leadership roles? If you have a culture that prioritizes diversity and inclusion, starting with the board, and this is well known and ideally published, then this becomes the norm within the company. When top leaders actively support and champion diversity, this sets the right tone for everyone else to follow. Holding boards and leadership accountable for diversity, walking the talk, sets the expectation that diversity is not just some ideal, but it is something that should be integrated into all aspects of leadership. And also employee resource groups, mentorship programs, flexible work arrangements, these all contribute to diversity in leadership roles being embraced. And do you think that, because I think a lot of people absolutely will agree with you then, and that's what you're saying is correct, as it plays out in the reality of the day-to-day, oftentimes I find that people are still not clear on the importance of their role as leaders in setting that holistic approach that, that you're talking about. And so I'm curious, what are some of the 
challenges that you have seen in particularly, and opportunities, I should say, because it, there's a balance for women and underrepresented minorities in attaining board positions? Yeah, you're right. Everybody doesn't have these views, right? That's right. why it's right. it's, a, it's a battle. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been for many, many years that we are all fighting. So to answer your question head on, some of the challenges stem from implicit bias in the selection process where, again, people are just more comfortable with right. hiring people like themselves. Mm -hmm. This makes it harder of course, for diverse talent to be considered despite their obvious qualifications. The same thing with stereotypes about leadership abilities that mm -hmm. negatively affect the perception of diverse talent. And also diverse talent, they may not have access to, you know, influential networks, which is right. critical for, for board appointments, you know, and then there are the glass ceilings that make it difficult to get into the types of executive roles that lead to board positions. And so this is why diversity initiatives and intentionality around mentorship and sponsorship and strategic networking, these are all so important and part of the opportunity to change the course. The other thing I should mention is investor pressure, which is helping to achieve diverse boards as well. Achieving diversity is very possible, but it has to be done with intentionality. Absolutely. Love that word intentionality. <laughs> it's so true. Mm, I think we're for today. <laughs> yeah. So what are the potential long-term consequences for organizations who do not prioritize diversity at the board level? So potential negative consequences, I would say negative. If you okay. don't prioritize diversity, you know, you'll miss market opportunities, you'll hinder innovation, you will decrease performance because all you have is groupthink, everybody agreeing with everybody else. Your investors won't be happy because they want diversity. You will have poor governance uh, because people aren't thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. You may face legal risk, regulatory risk, certainly reputational risk, and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you add all these things up, companies can lose their competitive advantage because they don't have diverse perspectives. Yeah. And I think for a lot of businesses, I think that is where the rub is, right? And where people, you really get people's attention that, okay, if I don't do this, this is actually going to have a negative impact on my competitiveness going forward. So thank you for that. I want to say my last question, but I actually have another question for you too. <laughs> but what steps can aspiring board members take to position themselves for success as they strive to be on a board? And I think you answered this a little bit in some regard, Paula, when you talked about uh, strategic networking and the importance of being intentional and making sure that people know your work and so forth. But is there anything else that you would add to that or that you think people can do to position themselves? I mean, you have to start with the fact that boards are looking for skills that complement the ones they already have on the board and that are important to solving the issues that the company is facing, which is why boards have kind of moved away from the traditional, oh, we want CEOs, CFOs on our board, and into more, we're looking for someone with digital experience, technology experience, supply chain, and in some cases, human resources, depending on the issues that they're facing. So you start with having a unique value proposition in terms of how 
you would benefit a board and your skills would benefit a board. And that's table state. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you have to seek out mentorship and sponsorship in the same way that you would for executive role. Someone that can speak up on your behalf in the board world when they learn of these seats being open. And people say, well, we're looking for this type of person with these skills. And oh, by the way, we also want someone in one of our diversity categories. You want to be able to say, well, I know this person, I, you know, I vouch for this person and so forth. So making sure that, you know, you network, 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 Mm -hmm. strategically network Mm -hmm. so that people know you, your aspirations and the unique value that you would bring to the board. And they're able to talk about you confidently and to put their capital on the line on your behalf. Other things you can do are, you know, things like join nonprofit boards, you know, so that you can understand board governance and dynamics. Obviously, you're joining them because they are, they have missions that you're so passionate about. But also through those, you do learn an awful lot about how boards work. You're basically trying to enhance your qualifications, your networking, you're staying visible so that it becomes just a matter of persistence and time. Yeah, excellent, excellent advice. And I'm sure uh, people who are thinking about it can make that actionable. So I want to take a few minutes or maybe as just a minute to summarize a conversation. And then, Paul, I want to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners how they can reach you. And so this has been a, a fabulous conversation. And so we started off with really a number of questions, but I, I want to highlight what I hear as some of the key ones. So clearly, the theme here that I heard from you is intentionality. I would say that's the number one, meaning that whether you are a board member or you are someone aspiring to be a board, you really need to be intentional about what it is that you're trying to achieve and that it's very important to make it known what it is that you're looking for on both sides of that. Also, it's important to understand that boards are looking for a specific kind of expertise. It's not just the age-old CEO or retired CEOs, but that in today's world, it's important for them to find different types of expertise. I also heard you talk about the importance of mentorship in helping people get to further along the continuum. It's also important to talk about sponsorship and actually be intentional about sponsoring people you think have the talent and the skill set to be on boards. And that's an area that particularly those who are already on boards should really be thinking about who can you support, who can you sponsor, and also acknowledging what are some of the biases that people may have. I think that is one that definitely plays out and quite frankly, fear. And you didn't say that, but I know just from the work that I do, that is indeed the case for a lot of people. And so to use your words, it's important for leaders to lean in to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and also to be intentional about measuring where they are on that continuum. How are you setting goals, not quotas? How are you setting goals to make sure that you're progressing along the lines in terms of your diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, and specifically in making sure that we are continuing to diversify boards. So those are some of the highlights, and there were many, many more. But I think from that, hopefully people can really 
apply these thoughts and actions to their situation, whether you're a board member or when whether you are actually aspiring to be on a board. So Paula, I want to give you this opportunity to share with our listeners how they can reach you. Absolutely. Thank you for that summary, Juliet. As usual, you nailed it. So you can reach me best through LinkedIn. My LinkedIn address is Paula-Price-7 small b as in boy, 4851. Again, Paula-Price-7 b4851. Thank you so much for having me, Juliet. Oh, thank you, Paula. As you know, I am a huge, huge fan and admirer and also grateful and thrilled to have you in my friendship circle and my network. So thanks so much for being here. And the feeling, of course, is so mutual. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Entering the Inspiration Zone. Until next time, we would love to hear from you. So if you'd like to join our mailing list, please send an email to info at inspirationzonellc.com. That's info at inspirationzonellc.com. And be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Thank you and have a fabulous day.